Good morning, everyone. Okay, today is going to be a little different. Um, later when I do communion, you'll see what I mean, but I always knew this day would come. Um, there, there, there have been many, many opportunities, and as I say, when, when we do communion, you'll, you'll see what I mean, where um, the situation gave opportunity for, for me to speak about it, but I just didn't have the release from God to be able to do that. And Monday morning early, as God does so often with me in the gym, and I remember when God speaks certain things to me, where I was, what exercise I was doing, you know, how far I was into it. In any case, I was on the bicycle almost breathless, ready to throw up, and the Lord spoke to me. And uh, there was not going to be a part two. It was just going to be last week for me to speak, and it would be someone else today. But then the Lord said, now it's time. You need to do this. So I went home, spoke to Tiffany, and she said it's fine. So today I'll have her come up, and we'll do something during communion. But there was not going to be a part two. It was just last week it was going to be over. But the Lord said, I want you to continue this week on, on where you were last week and just take it a bit further. So last week I, I dealt with um, the body at large. How do we as the body come against everything that is coming against the body? Today I want to look at personal, you and I. How do we fight this war? Not as the body. Because the word is very clear that each and every one of us will give an account for our actions, what we do. So whether you like the president, don't like the president, when you stand before Jesus one day, you're not going to be asked about what he did or did not do. It's going to be about you. How did you behave yourself as the reborn child of God that you are in every circumstance? So I want to talk to us today about me personally, you personally. Last week was more for the body in general. So um, I don't think I had this on the, I didn't give this to Zach, but Second Peter chapter 3, he has an amazing verse. So Peter writes, he says, Second um, Peter... He says, Behold, I now write to you this second epistle, both of which I have stirred up your pure minds by way of a reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before. So Peter says here, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I've written to you already. You have the first epistle. Now I'm writing to you again, to your minds, which are pure. You now have the mind of Christ. Whether you use it or not, that's a different story. But you have a pure mind. So I'm writing to you to bring to remembrance about what's in your mind so that you would be mindful. You see, the mind's pretty important here. And today I'm going to do exactly the same thing. I don't think that I have one verse that I have not used before. There's nothing new today. So you're not going to go home and say, well, I've never heard that verse preached like that. I'm just going to say what I've said before, but I really, really believe that we need to be reminded of things that have been said and the basics of how to fight or how to act as a born-again Christian, me, myself. How do I fight this battle? How do I enter this war? So it's just basic stuff. It's not nothing new. It will be everything that you've heard before. But I believe that we need to be reminded. In John chapter 8, we, we take verse 32. We take that verse out and we use that. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And just that verse, taking it just like that, that's been taken out of context. And that is not true. Truth doesn't set free. Because you can hear the truth every single day and do nothing about it. All that has happened as you've heard the truth, but it hasn't set you free. It's what you do and how you act upon the truth that sets free. You see, you can be 
completely overweight, smoking six packs of cigarettes a day, eating Twinkies for breakfast, go to the doctor. The doctor give you a checkup and say, if you don't change your diet, you're going to die. And you can go home and swing by the McDonald's drive through on the way home. The truth hasn't set you free. You heard the truth, but you didn't do anything with it. So that truth did not help you anything. So we take that verse out of context and we say the truth will set you free. But the verse just before that, verse 31, Jesus speaking to the people. And Jesus says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed. That's where truth starts because he is the way, the truth, and the life. You first have to believe in him. That's the beginning of truth is him. He is all truth. And when you believe in him, now truth starts. So they believed in him, the Jews who believed in him. If you abide, now we go to Psalm 91. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. It's abiding. It's staying. It's not in and out. It's not, oh, my goodness, the doctor said this. Jesus, Jesus, help, help, help. And then I'm fine, and then I go away again. Then another crisis hits, and I abide, I abide for a week, and then I'm gone again. No, it's you abide. In him, you live, you move, you breathe, you have your being. There is no other way. You abide, you stay. He is your life. That's abiding. If you abide in me, he says in my word. So this, this is, we don't have physical Jesus right in front of us and how to see, how to act. But this tells us here, if you abide in my word, what I tell you is right. The way I tell you to do things. They may be very unpopular in the sight of man, and they may be old-fashioned, and they may get people not to like you very much. But if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And if you do all of these things, only then will you know the truth, and that truth will set you free. So we can't just take 8.32 out and leave verse 31 because it's the believing, it's the abiding, it's staying in the word, it's acting on that that gives us the truth, that makes us free. So we need to see in the word how you and I need to act, how we need to fight because we know that the enemy hates truth. So he's going to do anything possible and it's just, it's, I was speaking to someone this week, and they were saying how bad things were. And the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. What what is happening today with trying to abort healthy, whole babies is terrible. But if you go and read in the Word of God, God's own people at one stage were having children, throwing them to other gods. I mean, it's not the first time that this has reoccurred in the earth. But... You know, when we were growing up, we did certain things because there wasn't social media and people videotaping it. We think it it never happened then. It happened. I can tell you things that I saw in my life that are absolutely horrific, but no one videotaped it. So it's as if it never happened, but it was there. I went to parties. I did things that no one knows about because no one recorded it. But if it were recorded... Man, would I be in trouble. I, I, I'm very wary of standing here and saying things like, I'm so glad I'm not involved in this or that or whatever, because some, if you stand behind this thing here and you say something, you know it's going to come back to you. So I just like to say I, I, I do not like politics. I feel sorry for politicians. Really, I do. That's just me. I really do, because they have to the whole time protect their name. They have to the whole time be on the defensive. They can't just be themselves. For me, I'm guilty of everything. I did it all. I am, yes, I was a racist. I slept around. I did this so that should that come out 10 years from now and people say, did you do that? I I said 20 years ago I was guilty. I don't have to cover my name and protect myself because all of those things happened. But let me tell you about the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you about who I am today. So all of that stuff, yes, that was me. And that's the beauty of my life. That I don't have to be ashamed about that. As terrible as the things that I did were. 
the blood of Jesus has washed that away. And that cannot be held against me anymore. I have been forgiven. Whether you forgive me and hold that against me, completely up to you. But what you say and what you think about me doesn't change who I am in Christ. So I'm okay. But yes, I'm guilty. If they come to me with a microphone and say, Did, they don't even have to ask the question. I'll just say, yes, that was me. I was, I'm guilty. Yes, I did it. Because man, I'm telling you, and these guys today now, for the last two weeks now, we've heard these people just read. Can you imagine these people's homes? Can you imagine their children when they sit around the table, if they have time to sit around the table and have supper together? Or a Sunday lunch after church, even if they do go to church. I don't know what they do, but can you imagine the home? Can you imagine the atmosphere and the environment around these people's offices that people have to wake up early in the morning and got to go to work? And the environment in the office is that ghastly, guilty, protect yourself, it's them, it's not. Who wants to live like that? So I really feel sorry for these people, but I'm telling you, yes, I did things, but I'm telling you the blood of Jesus, and that's why the communion is so powerful, and we're going to be partaking of that today. So the enemy comes, he doesn't like truth, so he loves to swing the pendulum from one complete to the other extreme, complete. There's no middle for him because middle is truth, middle is right. And it doesn't matter what it is. Anything completely to the left or anything completely to the right is not right. And the enemy wants people to be divided on this side or that side instead of coming together in truth with a balance of the word. Because you you can take racism. It's either it's a one color is good, the other's bad, or the other's bad, the other's good. It's I've lived in South Africa. I grew up in South Africa. I've seen racism, grew up racist. I understand that. I've seen it both ways. And the pendulum has gone from one side to completely, there's no no middle. Sexism. Man, men, all this side, it's all about the man. It's a man's world. Women have no place. And then you have feminism on the other side. Men can go and do, a, a man needs a lady, a lady needs a man. The word says, where it's very clear about family and, and how a husband should treat his wife and how a wife should treat her husband. And it, it's, it's all in here. And when we can live the truth, then there's no extreme that finds its way into our lives that brings damage. And we have to find the truth in every matter, what Jesus says about everything, and live that because that will bring the balance. So we're looking at the truth in our lives, balance in our lives, but the enemy tries to take things completely to either side. Our verse last week was 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. If these, if these people, male, female, if, if the politicians lived by the word of God, I'm just going to, a very large percentage of troubles that they are going through, they would have never faced. If you, because now that against the one gentleman is sexual assault and all of that, if you just married and obey what the word says concerning a husband and a wife and family, that would never have happened. If you honor and respect others, irregardless of their color, where they come from, if you don't mock and joke and put them down, and you raise them above yourself, and you see how you can bless them, a lot of this stuff would never have been able to happen. But it's when we go against the word of God that bad things happen, and now we have to start explaining ourselves. If we just obey the word and do what the word says is right, our life will be right. And we won't have to be explaining all the time and putting out fires and just, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth going against the word and getting into all that trouble. Proverbs 15 verse 3. This verse really bothered me. This, this verse didn't sit right for the longest of time. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. That's amazing. 
because he's God, he's just, he's righteous, he's good. His mercy endures forever. He's a righteous judge. So if his eyes are in every place, that's a good thing. That's wonderful. But the second part is keeping watch on the evil and the good. Well, what good does that do for me today? His eyes are everywhere, but he's just watching. That's good. That's not, that's not good. He's not doing anything. He's just watching. So what good is it to us, the body, when his eyes are there, but he's just looking? Have you ever gone out to someone's, you know, doing it? What are you doing? Oh, I'm just looking around. Just. But then just staying in that verse and staying in that verse, Holy Spirit started saying to me, he said, even in the old covenant, that's what happened. But you see, where are my eyes? My eyes are in the body. Who are you? You are the body. In other words, do something about what you see. My eyes are everywhere. They're in the body which you are. So now you have the capability, the authority, the possibility to see something which is not right. And as the body, use your mouth and speak authority into that circumstance. Instead of just looking and looking and looking like God does, we are now the body of Christ. His eyes are there so that when we see something that's not right, we speak truth and light so that that mountain can be cast into the ocean. And now it puts a greater emphasis on me and takes the emphasis of him and well, why, why are your eyes everywhere but you're not doing anything? He is. I put you there as my body to do something about it. What are you doing? So now that verse makes sense, and now it's a lot more of me looking, seeing things that are not right, but now I need to act upon what the Word tells me to do. So that verse now relays all the emphasis on me and takes it off of God. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 5, this is an amazing verse because politically this makes so much sense to us today. Therefore I exert, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So it says here to pray for all. So this is perfect because in Virginia, the Democrats are ruling. Yet the president is a Republican. So it doesn't matter what side you voted for, you stuck here with a word. You can't say, I'm just going to vote for the president. I'm just going to vote. No, the word says we need to pray for all. Doesn't matter what side of the spectrum and politically they stand, we have the command from heaven. You and I, do we pray for the people that are put into power or do we gripe and moan and complain about people that are in power? Because this is acceptable, this is good in the eyes of God that we can pray for them. Because you see, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior who desires all men. See, because there's wickedness happening now. But you know that God has a plan for every wicked person? You know that they were created in Him by His hand before sin ever existed, and God never loses sight about what their purpose is? Because you see, for God so loved the... <laughs> yeah, there we go. That you and I were a part of. So before we were saved, we were part of the wicked. But God so loved, and it's his desire that all men, Peter right, all men would come to know him. All men, that not one would be lost. How are we praying for every single man in authority? How do we choose to use the word and the light and the love of Christ to affect the world that we live in today and that's around us? So pray for everyone because this is... God's will. Then Psalms 19 verse 7. I'll just jump through here quickly for time's sake. But if we start Psalms 19 verse 7, and we're going to end at the end. But this is a perfect example of it. It's, it starts off with such a broad brush. Verse 7, do we have it there? 
Psalms 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And if you read, it tells you the ways of God are good. The ways of God are perfect. They make people wise. But for time's sake, we're going to jump down to verse 13. Keep back your servant. Okay, listen here. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. You see, now it becomes from the whole people, and it breaks down to become very, very personal, and now it's pointing to nobody else but me, okay? So forget about the guy on the left, the guy on the right. It's now about God and you, his ways and your walk, your life and his standards. This is what it goes on in these verses here. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. And we all know 14, we can probably quote it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Child of God, how has your meditation been the last two weeks? How have the the thoughts in your mind been concerning things happening in the nation? For the last two weeks, because it's really, it's it's building, it's, it's, it's coming to a crescendo now. Something is about to happen. I'm not on top of all these political things. I try and stay away as much as I can, but I don't know if it's true. I just heard in the sauna of the gym the other day where you should not get any information from, by the way, <laughs> that there is someone now that, that, that wants me to become a vegetarian because cows are bad. I don't know if it's true. I'm just, uh, I heard that. But I'm telling you, if someone tells me I cannot eat steak, I vote for the other party. I don't care who it is, who they are, but you trying to take my cows away from me? (laughs) Man, I will go back to Jacob and Esau and tell you about hunters in the Bible and Jesus catching fish. But So I don't know if it's true. As I said, that was in the gym sauna. But Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. How are you meditating these days? What are you meditating upon? What is the word of God doing in your heart, in your mind? Is it keeping you in the love walk? Or are we stepping out into the flesh because people are saying things and trying to do things to the nation and the states and the country and things that are so bad, which they are. But how is that affecting you? Or are you so in Christ that it doesn't matter what happens outside of you because on the inside of you, the peace reigns. The kingdom that you are part of cannot be shaken. Your God is Jehovah Almighty. His eyes are everywhere. And he's waiting for you to speak life. He's waiting for you to act. He's waiting for you to do what is right. And I'm so grateful for this church and people in this church that have literally stepped up in such an amazing way. Two weeks ago, one of our life groups were having a Friday night meeting and they were going to pray against this abortion. Just pray in love. Last week at the march, there were people there and standing and walking, which is right. We need to have our voices heard. We need to be out there saying what is right, what is wrong. But it's just how you walk. It's not good you go out there and scream obscenities and tell people they're going to hell and and all of that when that's not the way that we should war. It's good to be there to let people know what you're planning. And before God formed each little baby in the womb, he knew them. He has a plan for them. So to just take an innocent, healthy life, that's not the will of God. But how do we get that message across? So it's good to stand, it's good to go to these things, but we have to fight in the way that the Lord says is right. I'm sure we've all seen, there's 101 movies about a famous baseball star or basket, whatever, 
film you like, whatever sport you like, where this guy is just the king, and he comes into the team, and the coach says to him, this is how this team plays. You pass the ball. You give to your teammates. And, and he comes in the game, and he makes the shot, but he doesn't do what the coach says. And at the end of the game, the coach says, if you carry on like this, this team will lose. It's not about how good you are. And we are that team, the body of Christ. It's not how good we are. It's what the coach, Holy Spirit, is telling us how to fight. It's the Holy Spirit telling us, don't just go and shoot. And you're great. Yes, you are amazing. You're a child of God. You're washed in the blood. But this is how this team plays. These are our rules. We speak life. We pray for those. We bless those who persecute us. That's the only way. Because he says, let your light so shine. And when we act in darkness, darkness just becomes greater. Let your light so shine so that people can see your good works. Holy Spirit is our coach. He teaches truth. We can't just be going running, taking shots and making all the goals by ourselves without listening to the way he tells us to do it. Romans chapter 12. This is just after in Romans 12. It talks about renewing our minds. Repay no evil for evil. We can just stop there. Don't need to say anything more. This is how we play. These are the rules that you and I as Christians abide by. Do not repay evil with evil. Because you repay evil with evil, it just gets more evil. It gets darker. It gets worse. This is the word. Repay no evil with evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you. There it's again, talking to me. As far as it's up to you, Rifle, live in peace with all men. How far can you take this peace? How much peace do you have on the inside of you? Where can you go? What circumstances can you be let into but still speak peace and love and truth? The Bible says speak the truth in love. And when you do that, people see that. They notice that. You don't have to agree on everything, but when you speak truth in love, There's anointing behind that because it's truth. And the only thing that sets free is truth. Therefore, it's vitally important to do that. So then, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Each man will stand in front of God one day and each man will give account for him. But you and I need to make sure that what we are doing is what God is telling us to do in this very moment. We need to act and fight like he tells us to act and fight. Philippians 4, these verses are, I mean, verse 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Are we doing that? Are we as the body, are we letting our requests, are we praying these kinds of prayers? Are we anxious for anything? Is the news making you anxious? It should not, because then you're paying more attention to the news and what the world is trying to do than what God and the Holy Spirit is trying to do. That's just an easy test. Are you anxious about What is happening right now? Because if you are, we need to change our focus because our focus is in the wrong place. Be anxious for nothing. And he says, when you aren't anxious, when you do pray this way, when you give thanks, when you make your request known, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That as terrible as things are right now and as heated and as ugly as it is now, you can have a peace that I said last week is not just theory. It's wonderful to talk about peace, but it's greater to be able to live and experience the peace. Are we doing that or is this verse just a wonderful verse to quote and highlight and stick it on the fridge before we run out of the house every day? Or is this the way we live? Are we living in this peace? Because when we do, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds 
finally, that word is, if you don't get anything out of this whole book, this whole letter that I'm writing, get this. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Are we doing that? Are we doing that or are we allowing stuff other than the peace of God to enter our minds and now you meditate, you think and you think and you start speaking and you're thinking on that? Because look what it says here, it goes further here. Because the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. See, there's a difference in verse 7 where he says the peace of God. That's amazing to have the peace of God. Who would not want the peace of God? But the peace of God is just one part of him. He says, but if you meditate right and you do right, then you won't just have the peace of God. You will have the God of peace. There's a huge difference. Do you just want the peace of God or do you want the God of peace to be with you? Do you take just the peace or do you take God in his fullness? And the only way you and I will have God in his fullness, guarding our hearts and our minds, is if we meditate only on what is good. Man, these people, like I said last week, these people, it's not that they don't want to hear the truth. They can't receive the truth. So what's the truth about that? Lord Jesus, you can open their eyes. You have a plan for them. Lord, I was just as lost. My life was just as dark. But by the grace of God, you opened my eyes. You have a plan. I'm living it, Lord. And I pray the same for that person. I pray that they would come to know the truth. Put workers across their path that would speak life and truth into them. Give them dreams, Lord. You've done it however you want to do it. But if there's anything praiseworthy and good and noble, meditate on these things. And only when we do that will we have the God of peace guarding over us. Peace of God is amazing. But man, to have God himself, there's nothing better than that. But we have to get the right thing in here, meditate the right thing, speak the right thing to have the God of peace guard our hearts and look after us. Um. Joe, can I, sorry, can I just ask you, can you please go get Tiffany from downstairs? She's just helping out. Thank you so much. So I'll just wait for my beautiful wife, and then we will continue with communion. So as I said, this, there was not going to be a part two. But Monday, the Lord told me to make a part two, so I asked Pastor Doug, and he graciously allowed it. Uh, Not yet, thanks. So as I said, I I knew this day would come, and at at the end of the service last week, um, I, I was very pumped up last week. I was, there was fire in my bones for these babies whose lives are being taken. So when I was finished, I went to sit down there next to Tiffany and just a lot of stuff going in my mind. Time-wise, I still had so much to say, but maybe it was better that I just sat down. And then Miss Debbie took the microphone and she prayed and she said, if you are in here, come stand here, please, my lovey. So Miss Debbie took the microphone and she said, if you are here and you've had an abortion, Please stand up because we're not condemning you. It's not a, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I hope I didn't come across as in, if you did, this is, that's the last thing on my mind. So, I mean, there are 101 things going in my mind and she asked the people to stand up and to come and, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The blood of Jesus has washed all of that away. It's phenomenal. So, didn't think about anything of that. Went home and then Monday the Lord spoke to me. So, Tiffany and I got married. If you don't know the story, we had to get married. Not for children's sake. If we didn't get married, we would go to prison. It's a long story. (laughs) And it happened within, I think we were together, I think three months or something, and we got married. So there wasn't a lot of time to 
get to know one another. So while we were in Taiwan, and this is the amazingness of Holy Spirit. This is how you know that even though Jesus may not be here in the flesh, he is here through Holy Spirit. I do Please do not doubt for one second that Holy Spirit is not here, present all the time, speaking, leading, and guiding. So we just got married, and we are in Taiwan, so... Every now and then, without anyone telling us to do something, we would go to one another and we would say, listen here, I need to tell you something. And when that happens, your heart just sinks into your shoes. You think, oh my goodness, what now, again? <laughs> there were things that I did, and today the Lord is not telling me to tell you what I did, so it's okay. <laughs> You like that one, eh, Alan? <laughs> but we would come home and say, sit down, I need to tell you something. And Holy Spirit himself, without anyone else knowing it, would reveal something to our hearts and say, now you need to go to your spouse and you need to confess. And we had these every now and then. Praise Jesus, since we've been in America, we've not had one of those moments I I believe we passed all of that time, but one day Tiffany sat me down, and she said, I've got to tell you something. She said, I had an abortion. I didn't know what it was. In Asia, that's just the way we do. No excuse, but I had an abortion, and Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to confess that as sin, but I did it against him but I need to confess to you as my husband that I had an abortion. And we are, we, we are just married. And I'm thinking, dear God, couldn't you tell this to me before we were married? And I, go, I mean, now you've got to deal with this and all. And believe me, I had my turns of confessing as well, so she could have also. But because we gave our word to one another and because of the forgiveness and the blood of Jesus that is forgiven. It does not exist anymore in the books of God. And that child that was aborted is now waiting for Tiffany, its mother, one day to raise it in heaven. That's the truth about the matter. But she came and she said, I had an abortion. And we took communion and we prayed over it as we do over most things in our house to settle something, and that's the end of it. So at the end of last week when Debbie came up and she said, you know, if you've had an abortion, we're not condemning you, that thought didn't even, it, it doesn't cross my mind. It doesn't, because here is an amazing woman of God who in her past did something that was not right, but the grace and the power of the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross has washed that away. So that's why I said in the beginning, I knew this day would come. I knew one day, and, and we spoke about it. I said, one day we're going to have to stand in front of people. And it's not that we were hiding it away or trying to make it. We haven't made mistakes. But the time was just not right. And God, every now and then there was a situation where I thought maybe we could, and God was just, no, it's not right. But Monday he said, now it's time. You stand up and you tell everyone what happened, and so that's what we're doing. So we had an abortion, not we, before Tiffany and I were together, but she had an abortion. So there is no condemnation. If you are here and, 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 and you went through that and you've repented and you're in Christ, it doesn't exist anymore. But for the ones that are going through that, we need to pray for the mothers. We need to pray for people like Tiffany who do not know what they're doing, who are pressured into this is the only way out. We need to pray for them. We need to help in every way that we can because gifts and talents are being robbed by the enemy through healthy children that are being taken away and not being allowed to become who God purposed them to be. So as we take communion today, we're just going to do what we normally do. But man, I'm telling you, 
you know, last year at one stage, uh, the last time I did communion, there were people that got very upset. They're not here in the church anymore for different reasons, but they got very upset with the way that I do communion because I, I cheers and I am so celebratory, if there is even a word like that, because of communion. And I will not shy back from that. I will not. If that's wrong and I need to go, then, then so be it. God, get me out of here. But I'm telling you, it's because of the communion. It's because of that. I cannot, I, and I can, but I won't. I won't tell you things that I have done, places that I have drank alcohol and cheers the devil. Living in such bondage, thinking that what I was doing was fun and it was okay. Literally lost my mind, but continued drinking and just, this is life, this is good. And now I look back at that and I wonder how could one man's mind ever get to a place like that. And that's why I celebrate communion because the blood of Jesus now, I'm telling you, I cheers and I, Jesus, it's this blood that has set me free. It's this blood that has allowed me to be who I am today that I don't have to worry, think. If someone comes and they say, yes, it was me, but the blood. This is what the blood is. So to me, Communion is a time of celebration. And if you take 1 Corinthians 11 out of context, where he starts in chapter 11 talking about you shouldn't wear a headband, you shouldn't have your head covered, men mustn't have long hair, you take it completely out of context where it says you drink judgment if you partake of this unworthily by cheersing and giving thanks and praising God for it. That's not right. It's because of this. It's because of the grace and the blood of Jesus that we can come and draw near to him in boldness to receive grace and find mercy in a time of need. So I'm, we're going to celebrate communion today and what Jesus did for us on the cross because for freedom's sake, Christ has set you free. So let's stand up and line up so that we can celebrate what Jesus has done. Thank you, my baby. Okay, you can line up. You know how to do it. If you're here for the first time, just follow the others. While we are lining up for communion, this Thursday from 6.30 to 7, there will be prayer here at Harvest. Uh, we are joining with Berea Baptist Church and just coming to pray for life, coming to pray for righteous people in government, coming to pray against any abortion bill. So if you are available and you can make it, come and join us. If not, just pray from home. And this past Thursday, there were people that went out and we prayed, people that phoned and texted in saying, we're standing with you guys in prayer. And it was amazing. Thank you so much for that. And, but this Thursday, 6.30 to 7 again, come and join us. We pray like lives depend on it because they do. A.M., yes. In the morning before you go to work. Yes.
blood and body was shed for every single human being. Doesn't matter what they do today, what their actions are, Jesus still thought their life worthy enough to shed his blood. Let us remember that and keep our eyes open to the truth that there's a purpose and a plan for every single human being. We were part of the world that he came to die for. And we are now the answer as the body of Christ to the world who does not know him. So let us make sure that we fight in love and fight according to the ways of the word. But the word says that when we do this, we need to do it in remembrance of him. And man, can you imagine that last supper sitting with those disciples? And he could have just looked at the father and said, what a bunch of bozos you gave me. You really, after everything that we have been through, you want me to give myself for them. But he did. He did. He gave himself in every way so that we can be free in every way. And this blood and this body is our healing. It's our joy. It's our peace. It's our kindness. It's our self-control. It's everything that he has made available for us is through this. So let us do this in remembrance of him. Lord Jesus, and we come now. Jesus, you're amazing. And we do this in remembrance of you. We thank you that your body was ripped to shreds and beaten to a pulp. So that by your stripes, Lord Jesus, the enemy cannot keep us sick and not in health. Because by your stripes, Lord, we were healed from the crown of our head, every organ, every fiber, every sinew, every muscle, every part of us. It was paid for by your body being broken. So we thank you right now. We do this in remembrance of you and what you went through for us to be whole. And we decree together that by your stripes, we are healed. the world and through the sin death came but this blood has made us righteous this blood has washed away sin this blood the word says that we have been made the righteousness of God the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that no matter what your past looked like it doesn't exist anymore it's been washed away not like in the old covenant, just covered. It does not exist anymore. And therefore, it cannot be held against us anymore because of this blood. So Jesus, we just come now and we celebrate your blood. We thank you for what you did. We thank you, Lord, that you took our old messed up lives upon yourself and gave us your life of fullness and wholeness, of abundance so that we can be a light in this world and show people how powerful this blood truly is and what a change this blood truly makes. And because of this, we will let our light so shine so that people will see our good works and glorify the Father. So Jesus, we do this in remembrance of you and we are grateful. We celebrate our freedom and righteousness because it's by you and you alone that we have been made this. And we thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. We are going to have prayer after the service. We are privileged and honored today that the students of the School of Ministry are going to be helping out. So if you need any prayer, if the prayer team can come forward.